I will not be a weak Christian. I will not be afraid of Satan and his demons. I will not be afraid of what he brings to my doorstep. I will not be. Because Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, through the power of his resurrection, has given me victory already. And if he is for us, who can be against us? I am not scared. I am not intimidated. And I won't act like it. We were talking about last week, we were talking about Ephesians chapter 6. You should go and read it. If you weren't here last week, you should go and read it. Paul's talking to the church at Ephesus. He says, you need to put on the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, feet shod with the gospel of peace. Who's he saying that to? Who's he saying that to? He's not saying it to the people that don't do anything. He's talking to Christians. Let me read what he says at the end of Ephesians chapter 6. He says, and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan. That the good news... It's for Jews and Gentiles alike. He says, I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. There's a few things that he says. He says, bold. He says, pray that I can continue to speak the, God, the words that God would have me to speak. He said, I'm going to pray for you. You pray for me. He's talking to Christians that are engaged in the battle. He's not talking about a bunch of people that, that would rather sit back and do nothing. He says, if you're going to do something, if you're going to boldly proclaim the name of Christ, and you're going to go out and you're going to preach and teach, and you're going to tell people about how good God is, and you're going to tell them about this mysterious plan, you better put on the arm of God. Because it ain't no joke then. It's coming to your doorstep, and it's coming fast, and it's coming furious. So you better be ready. No more prevalent is it that we see spiritual warfare than we see in the book of Acts. As Jesus has ascended back to heaven after his, his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, he comes back, spends some time with his disciples, and then he goes and To be with the Father and his disciples go out to share the good news of the gospel. And over and over again, you see Satan trying to disrupt and to stir up trouble and trying to destroy the gospel. You see over and over again how Satan is just fed up and he's doing his best to destroy what God is doing. The Holy Spirit is moving. The Holy Spirit is on his disciples. The Holy Spirit is using these men to go out and do some miraculous things. Satan's upset about it. You know what I wish? <laughs> this applies to me just like it applies to everybody else. I know what it was that I was going to say, Connie. I know what the words I was trying to remember. I wish that we as Christians 
cared as much about somebody's soul as Satan does. Because he cares about every single one of them. And he is trying to steal, kill, and destroy the gospel. So that not one soul can be saved. So that your brother, your sister, your mother-in-law, your mother, your dad, your grandkids... He cares about every single one of them trying to steal, kill, and destroy so that they won't hear the gospel, so that they won't come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He cares about every single one. He cares about that person sitting beside you at work. He cares about that person sitting beside you at school, young men, young women. He cares about every single one of them. What if we as Christians cared as much about a soul as Satan does? And that applies to me just like it applies to you. I see constantly in the book of Acts, Satan is trying to disrupt some stuff. This is hard. We're going to be in Acts chapter 19 today. We're going to begin in verse 8. We're going to see what Paul was doing in Ephesus. Verse 8 says, When Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, obviously Satan's not going to be happy about that. Listen to what he does, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn in rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. What is Paul preaching about? He's preaching about Jesus Christ and what it really means to have a relationship with God through the the grace and and sacrifice that Jesus Christ offers. Some people rejected him. Some people spoke against him. So, So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the Providence of Asia, both both Jews and Greeks heard the word of the Lord. So Paul is there and he's preaching Jesus to these people. Both Jews and Greeks, he doesn't care who they are. He doesn't care what the color of their skin is. He doesn't care what kind of social status they have. He knows what they need and that is Jesus Christ. You know what he does? Because they need Jesus Christ, he tells them about Jesus Christ. It's not complicated, it's simple. It really is simple. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on the sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Now some people say, well, there's there's some guys I've seen before place handkerchiefs on people and then be healed. Maybe. Maybe not. Time will tell. You want to know if it's legitimate or not? Just wait and see. God will reveal that. People putting handkerchiefs on people, saying you're healed, get up and walk. Yeah, God has the power to do that. I think most of these these guys that do that are full of it, but time will tell. Time will just hide and watch. Just hide and watch. See, See what happens. You'll know if they're legit or not. God will reveal it. Just wait. That's all you got to do is wait. And watch and see. Here we see Paul, when, when, when he touched him, God did something. It didn't say Paul did anything. It said God did something. It says God gave Paul the power. 
The power doesn't belong to Paul. The power belongs to God, and God chose to use Paul in that capacity, and he did. Why? Why would God do that? To reinforce the words that Paul had. You know what reinforces the words that any preacher and teacher has now? You know what reinforces it? The word. So when somebody preaches something else that's not the word, then they have no power because all of the power belongs to God and all of the power belongs to his truth and you can't get it from somewhere else. What reinforces any preacher and teacher is just the word. If they preach the word, then they preach with God's power. Time will tell that too. But you always got Satan trying to disrupt Trying to destroy what God is doing. Because here God's doing some great stuff through Paul. And people are just overwhelmed by the power that he's preaching with. It says in verse 13, a group of Jews was traveling from town to town calling out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation. Saying, I command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. So here's this bunch of... Folks just traveling around trying to do what Paul was doing. But you know what? They didn't have the power of God. You know why? Because they didn't know God. They were trying desperately to pretend to be like Paul. And they were just trying to do stuff like Paul. And they thought, well, I know I can use this Jesus name in my whole new bag of tricks. And I can do what Paul does. The name of Jesus has power when it has power in you. Just like it had power in Paul because God had given Paul that power because the power of of God resided in Paul through the power of his Holy Spirit. These guys didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Thus, they didn't have the, the Holy Spirit, and thus, they just had a bunch of tricks, and they made it look like evil spirits were coming out, but it was just a bunch of tricks. That's all it was. People try this all the time, right? I'll pretend, and it'll look like it's Jesus. I'll say Jesus, and that'll make everybody think that I got some kind of special powers. The problem is, Paul, didn't, he didn't want the recognition. He wanted Jesus Christ to have all the recognition, not him. That's why he continued to preach the truth and continued to preach Jesus and not preaching Paul. So in their incantations, their spells or whatever they were chanting, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. This leading priest, he had seven sons. But one time when they tried it, an evil spirit replied. Now here's the problem with doing their little little tricks and and trying to, to put Jesus in their bag of tricks as they... They ran up on a spirit who was real, and it kind of messed them up a little bit. They thought they were just going to do what they'd always done, and, and it was going to be fine. But they were just going to say some stuff, and they were going to say the name of Jesus, and they were going to cast out spirits, and it's going to look like that. It didn't work out that well for them this time. He says, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? In the Kenny vernacular, it goes like this. Jesus, I know. Paul, I've heard of. But who the heck are you? Because this evil spirit wasn't playing games. And these guys thought they were going to pull out their bag of tricks and they were going to cast out some demons and they were going to just say the name of Jesus and it was all going to be good. Well, not this day. 
You know why? Because God was doing a work in this place. Oh, I can't give away the punchline yet. God was doing a work in this place. And it wasn't going to turn out like they thought it was going to turn out. Let me just say that. So what happens? What happens? So they're going, trying, trying to play their little game. It ain't working out for them. It says, who are you? And the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, attacked them in such violence that they, they fled from the house naked and battered. In one of the translations, it says they were naked and bloodied. Now, I don't know about you, but if you get in a fight and you come out naked and bloodied, you lost. Am I right? If you get in a fight with somebody and you come out and you ain't got no clothes on and you bloody, you lost. And these guys run out of the house because the, the, the guy with the evil spirits has leaped on them and attacked them. And they go, oh no, this is a real thing we got to deal with here. The story of what happened spread quickly through all the Ephesus. Oh, I can't wait to tell you what's going on here. It's killing me right now. The story of what happened spread all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city. And the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them in the public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. I'm going to be brief this morning. I'm going to be very brief as a matter of fact. So here you got Satan trying to disrupt what Paul was doing in Ephesus. Right? So Paul's preaching. He's telling them about Jesus. He's telling them the good news of the gospel. He's telling them how God can save them that they don't have to be the way they were before, that there's no bunch of boxes they have to check in order to be able to, to find God and love God and be close to God. They, it can all be done through Jesus Christ now. And he's teaching them this, and Satan's not happy about it. And he's all distraught, and he, there's these evil spirits, all right? So they're in this man, and they even leap on this guy who was trying to, or these men who were trying to cast out the demons. Now you go, now wouldn't it make more sense... If Satan was really in control of all this, wouldn't it make more sense that these guys would have been able to say their incantations, they'd have been saying their spells, and the demons would have come out, and everybody would have been like, ooh, we need to follow these guys. These guys that, that, that are not real Christians, they're not real followers of Christ, they're not real people that love God or want to follow Jesus. Wouldn't Satan have just said, I'll make it look like they really did something, that, and then people will follow them, and they won't follow Paul. They won't listen to what Paul is preaching. They'll just follow a false gospel. Wouldn't you think that's what would have happened if Satan was, was really in control here? Well, what was going on? Three, three letters. I like three letters. G-O-D. God. What was going on right here? Do you remember what I told you last week? And that is that Satan is bound by the confines of what God allows him to do. This Satan cannot do anything apart from what God allows him to do. We saw that in the life of Job. And we saw how, how Satan had to go and ask God, can I do this? And God had to say yes. And, and Satan had to ask, okay, you let me do this, but can I do this? And, and, and God had to allow him to do things. You know what was happening here is that the gospel was going out. The good news of Christ and his kingdom was reaching people. 
And these people that were, were false prophets were going and trying to act like they were real prophets. And God said, no, no, no. God said, that's not going to happen. And, and I really believe this with all my heart. I, I really believe that, that these demons, these evil spirits, slept on this guy and, and made, him, made them bloodied and battered so that people would see that the name of Jesus is not something to be played around with. That the name of Jesus is really powerful, but you better have him in your heart. You better have the power of, your Holy, of his Holy Spirit. You better have on the full armor of God if you're going to go and pretend to be one of his. You're going to go and pretend to cast out demons. I believe the sovereign hand of God was in this situation. And because of that, the name of Jesus was greatly honored. And several of the people, they said, all these incantation books that we used to have, all these sorcery books, we're going to go and burn them because they have no value anymore. You know what has value? The name of Jesus Christ. He's not just one name to be added to the bag of tricks. He is the name above every name. And his name is to be honored and greatly praised. And you are to have his Holy Spirit if you're going to be able to do great things in the name of Christ. Some people, some people are going to be greatly surprised one day when they stand before God. They say, didn't we, didn't we do great things in your name? Didn't we cast out evil spirits in your name? And God is going to say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Here's the thing. Some people are going to choose to never engage in the battle. They're going to choose to be a lukewarm Christian. They're going to choose to be intimidated by the battle. They're going to continue to, to take a back seat, a back row. They're going to continue to sit back and let other people do the work. And they're never going to engage in the battle. And then there are some. There are some that as, as the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, they're going to find themselves in the middle of the battle. And they're going to say, no, I'm stepping away. I'm stepping away. I'm not going to get in the battle. They're not going to surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. They're not going to say yes to Christ and no to themselves because they're afraid and they're intimidated. You know what I wish? I wish we had some real men that would step up and say, as a spiritual leader of my family, as a spiritual leader of everybody around me, as a Christian, I'm going to step up. There's some men that need to surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ because they never have. You know why they don't step into a baptistry? It's because they're intimidated and they're scared. This is my challenge going out to all you men who know that Jesus Christ is calling you to repentance. Jesus Christ is calling you to a relationship with him, but you won't do it because you're scared. Get in the battle. Get in the battle. Be a man. Be a man. Some of you need to be challenged like that. Be a man. There's some men that won't lead their family towards God. You know why? Because they're scared. You know what you need to do before you lead your family? You need to put on the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, feet shod with the gospel of peace, the sword of the spirit, and the shield of faith. You need to get suited up, man. You need to stop being scared. You need to get suited up.
women, does this mean that you're not supposed to get suited up? No. You know what? You have just as much of a responsibility to share Christ and to share the good news of his kingdom as Paul did when he stood in front of all those people and preached the good news of the kingdom. Matter of fact, Paul says there's neither Greek nor Jew nor male nor female. So don't get there. Don't, don't, don't shield yourself behind your husband going, what's his responsibility? He's supposed to do it. He's supposed to one being out there sharing the gospel, telling people about Jesus, sharing the good news of the kingdom. You're a liar and you're lying to yourself. It is every bit of much your responsibility as your husband's to live for God and to share the good news of the kingdom. Is it his responsibility to lead you spiritually? Yes. But if he won't do it, does that give you a reason to cop out? No. Some people need to stop being scared. Some people need to look the gates of hell straight in the face and say, I'm more than a conqueror. Christ has already given me the victory, and I ain't scared. Father, thank you, God, for your word. How powerful it is. How amazing your grace is. God, there are so many people that choose to ignore the fact that there's a battle raging all around us. It's not one of flesh and blood, but it's powers, spiritual powers. God, so many people are afraid to engage in battle because they're not suited up. God, I pray they get suited up today. They stop living intimidated, timid lives. They live lives full of power and the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the resurrection that lives within us. God, I pray that we would live that way. I pray that we would sing praises that way. I pray that we would pray that way. God, and then for the man or the woman that's here in this place, God. They're not engaged in a spiritual battle because the Holy Spirit of God does not dwell within them. They never fully surrender their heart and life to Jesus Christ, God, because they're scared. They're just simply scared. There's no other way to put it. They're just scared. God, may they not be scared anymore. May, may they not play, fight from a place of defeat, but fight from a place of victory in Jesus Christ. God, please, Lord, give them boldness. Give them courage. Give them the very same boldness and courage you gave Paul to preach that good news in the midst of people that hated him for it. Now, give them the boldness and courage to... To, to, to surrender fully to Christ, God, the way you gave Joshua the courage to go and fight the enemy. God, may we live lives full of power. May we not be scared and full of fear. God, this is our time to respond to you. By the power of your Holy Spirit, God, move in this place. God, break people's hearts the way you need to your gospel and for your kingdom. God, all the glory belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you all please stand?